Robert, I love the music of Christmas. Beautiful music. Children singing. Angels singing. Mary singing. And today, Zachariah singing. Tomorrow, I'm actually going to talk about the angels' words to the shepherds. And the song the angels sang. So we will have covered three songs in this series on The Deliverer Has Come. And we'll culminate it tomorrow at 5 o'clock in the Christmas Eve service that we hope to be uh, done in 50 minutes tomorrow. So it's Christmas Eve. We are sensitive to that. I am in Luke chapter 1 today in this series on The Deliverer. Talking about Zachariah's song, I don't know how long it's been since you visited Zachariah's song in Catholic and Anglican traditions called after the first word in the Latin translation, the Benedictus. Verse 69 or 67 of chapter 1 of Luke. And this is in the context of the announcement of John's birth. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child. The old man, Zechariah, turns to speak about his baby boy, John it's a beautiful moment in the song and you my child will be called a prophet of the most high for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Zechariah's song, surprising in its themes of forgiveness of sin and God's tender mercy in the paths of peace and a deliverance that will enable us to serve God without fear. The military themes that we often see when we talk about the son of David and the Messiah, they are minimized in Zechariah's song. He's caught something from the angel. The announcement that's been made, nine months of silence. He has prepared his song to sing once given his voice. And he turns to the central problem of the human race. 
sinfulness, what do we do with our sin? God gives his answer through his deliverer who forgives us and extends to us the tender mercy of God. The child, the most holy, the dad. This dad, Zachariah, an interesting man. We learn some things about him in chapter 1 prior to the song. He's an old man. He's been serving the Lord as a priest for a long time. He and Elizabeth, the Bible says, have kept all of the requirements of their faith through all these years. Zechariah, the man, a holy man, a blameless man, according to his faith, a man who keeps the covenant all these years. He has served the Lord. And somehow the age has brought into him a little bit of skepticism. Gabriel does the best he can. He comes to Zechariah in the most holy place on earth, in the temple, while Zechariah is serving. He's been preparing for this moment all his life. It is a very special and important moment for him. He is serving the Lord in the holy place. And the angel appears right here. And the angel says to Zechariah, you're going to have a son, you and Elizabeth, in your old age. And he's going to be amazing. And he tells him about his son he's going to have. And then he says, and you're going to need to do some things for him. And he prepares him for fatherhood by giving him some suggestions about his son, some things he needs to do. And when Gabriel is through with a relatively long speech, with a good bit of detail about this son that Zachariah is going to have, Zachariah says, wait a minute. <laughs> How do I know this is really going to happen? I mean, me and Elizabeth are old. I don't even know if he heard the, the angel's speech to him after he said he was going to have a son. Zachariah is taken aback. He questions the angel. The angel then formally introduces himself. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I came to give you a message, and you're not going to talk, brother, for nine months because you didn't believe what I said. Zechariah is skeptical that God is really going to do this thing he expresses his hesitation to the angel and the angel seems insulted and astonished. Old men in the room don't get skeptical about the great possibilities 
of God's work. Not only in somebody else's life and younger people, but in your life. Don't get cynical about things as you age. Let your faith grow as your knowledge and experience grows. Stay close to God, not just in keeping all the regulations, but with a heart open to the new thing God can do, even in you. This man needs liberated himself from the place where he is stuck. This man has a problem. He's just not sure God will do what the angel says he will. The scripture says that this boy, soon to be born to Zechariah, is going to be a preacher of righteousness. And he was. He preached repentance of sin harder than anybody in Israel, and by the thousands they made their way from Jerusalem and other parts of Israel down there toward the Jordan River to hear this mighty prophet speak. And he spoke directly to them about their sin. And the lead sin that he would address was in regard to fathers who needed their hearts turned toward their children. I'm going to give you a son. He's going to be special. He's going to prepare the way for the Lord. He's going to be a preacher of righteousness, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. I read this and I think... There is no more righteous thing in all of life that I can do as a dad than to turn my heart toward my kids. To be focused upon them and pray for them and care for them and love them and pour my life out toward them. And there is no more wickedness so dark in all of life as a father turning his heart away from his children. John the Baptist will address dads who are hard-hearted toward their kids, who neglect them, who abuse them, and abandon them. And he will have an assignment from heaven to wake up fathers. I wish he'd wake them up in our country. I wish he could wake up dads who walk away from their kids in this country. I wonder if one day, maybe only in heaven, we will know the damage done to the human race and the human society because fathers' hearts are not set on their children. It's too easy somehow for dads to just walk away from their kids. And it's not new. It's an ancient wickedness embedded in the hearts of men. How do you prepare the way for the Savior? You talk to dads about their kids. You talk to fathers about their sons and their daughters. And if you can turn the heart of the father 
toward his children. It will be a new day for God's message and work. I have been thinking about this line in the description of John the Baptist for weeks. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And I wondered if there was a way here on this day before Christmas Eve that God could speak to a dad and turn his heart toward his kids. What does it mean? It means, Dad, that you're focused somewhere else, wherever it is. Good stuff, nice stuff, kind stuff, maybe important stuff. But your heart's turned somewhere else, and God wants to turn your heart from whatever it is that consumes you and has captured your focus and turn it to your children. In this new year, we have always been concerned about children at First Baptist New Orleans. We love them. Even more, that God might turn our hearts to the children. As a congregation, as men and women of God, that we might pray the prayer, Lord, use us. Focus us on the little ones, the most vulnerable, those who have no voice, the ones who touch your heart, God. Help our heart be there. This man, Zechariah, his heart will be turned toward his son. I don't know how long. I don't know how many years Zechariah has left on the planet. But I know God's going to turn his heart toward little John. And John's going to bring such joy and delight to him, to Elizabeth and their home. Oh, dads, don't you walk away from your kids. The father wound that you inflict will bear a thousand pains. This dad's stuck in the rut. God's going to change everything for him. The Most High, Zachariah says, and observes, he is acting to liberate us. God met him in the holy place and said, I'm about to do something. You know what it is? I am going to rescue. I am going to deliver. God is doing this at his own initiative, in his own plan. Christmas is not a story about how humans came up with a grand scheme to save the planet. Christmas is about how a loving God who created the world and every person in it acted to deliver us from our sin.
the Most High is going to be the main character in this play of redemption. Zechariah has studied the Old Testament. He knows that God has acted in the past. Hey, that's pretty easy to believe. You believe God acted in Moses? Abraham? It's pretty easy to believe God acted in the past. God was doing stuff in the past. What about in the present, in your life now? Is God at work in you? Do you see God's activity now in your life? Is God's activity just for somebody else, maybe in bygone days? But for you, you live in a perpetual silence from heaven. God never speaks, you never hear. You're going through life spiritually blind and deaf. John, the beloved, will write, quoting Jesus, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. For years I interpreted that in a futuristic way. But in these last few years, it's begun to dawn on me that until you have new life in you through Jesus Christ, until you have embraced what God has done in Jesus to rescue you, you can't really see what God's doing now. You can't see the kingdom of God even in your own time, in your own place. Your eyes aren't open. You can't see it until you yourself are walking in the faith that God gives through his son, Jesus so you're blind to the current state of what God is doing. God sent his son so that you could be delivered from your sin and serve him without fear. Serve him without fear. That's why you were delivered. You've been rescued to serve him without fear. I know some people who think they've been rescued to lambast others. They think they've been rescued to pass judgment on others. They think they've been rescued because they have some special quality about them. God rescues us, so we'll serve him without fear. You know how much anxiety there is in this room? Do you realize how anxious we are? I got a perplexing email from my nephew. I have 80 nephews and nieces, so this remains confidential because there's no way you could guess, all right? And it's disturbed me because it seems to be fearful and angry. 
about the condition of things, all wrought up about it. The politics and the government and the economy and security, just all wrought up about it. Maybe it was brought on by Newtown. I don't know what prompted it in him. Rather than a spirit of anger and fear, I know sometimes anger and fear are useful, okay? And they spur people on to do things. But oftentimes, anger and fear are just simply destructive. They're gut-level reactions to things. And often our fears are irrational. And what the Scripture says here is that John the Baptist is coming to prepare the way so we can walk in the way of peace. And peace is not out there somewhere. It's right here. Peace is right here. The Savior has come. Peace on earth. Peace in you. I think we need a new birth of gratitude for all of the blessings that surround us. I think of myself in my comfortable bed in my comfortable house and I remember back 50 years ago when I slept on an army cot in a little wooden box without any air conditioning and the bathroom was 50 yards away and me and my three brothers that's where we lived and I dreamed about snakes coming in that little box where I lived because it was not secure there were holes in the floor and not just me, but generations of people lived in what we would consider poverty. That was us. And now we who have so much seem to complain the most. I do not find among the poor as I've really traveled the world to great metropolitan areas and seen poverty in its starkest reality I do not find among them a spirit of ingratitude oftentimes the poor characterized by a great benevolence they'll give you anything you've got they, they will feed you better meals than their children have eaten in a year when you show up as a guest at, your, at their house they will care for you in ways that are costly and expensive to them. And they really don't think about it. If somebody were to say to me, what is the key? Sickness, spiritual sickness in your own country. I'd be inclined to say, it's this dread and fear and anxiety that eats at us and poisons us and takes beautiful moments and turns them sour and inhibits us from enjoying Christmas or New Year's or the celebration because we are so full of this fear of losing the stuff we got or the health we have or whatever it is 
Zachariah's song says, this child. The dad, the most high, and the child. The three of them are in this song. And when he turns to the child, it is a beautiful moment. This child preparing the way you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord's Lord to prepare the way for him. Think about the dearest person to you. If they are near you, take a look at them for a moment. Your spouse, your son or daughter, your grandchild, your friend, your parent. Here is Zechariah turning to this child, singing about his son. And saying of this child... God at work in you in a marvelous way. From the time this baby comes into the world, his father lavishes upon him this great expectation of his relationship to God and the difference he will make in the world. Just last night, a little boy in a drama on television said of his father, He always told me I'm nothing. He always said I was nothing. If God turns your heart to your child, out of your mouth, Father, will come blessing. It will be words that lift, words that inspire. Words they will remember, words that will challenge them to be all they can be. Words like Zachariah as he speaks over his boy. I think about the children gathered here on the steps and the little boy who was hitting himself and doing his own jig, okay? He's probably going to be the next music minister at First Baptist New Orleans, all right? God's going to do something deep and wonderful in that little boy's life. And you just can't guess. You cannot predict. I remember my father saying of one of his children, she so surprised me. She surprised me. Have in your heart a great expectation that God is going to work not only in you, dear old dad, but in that child God has committed to your care, in that grandchild that has come your way and speak the word over them of promise and power and God's anointing and let them know they are special unto the Lord. They are his special creation. He brought them into this world for a purpose. He loves them lavishly beyond their ability to comprehend and he can use them in ways that will shake the planet for his glory. These are the little ones among us. This child... He will do what no one else has done before. Preparing the way. Preparing the way. Sometimes God has to prepare the way for his son Jesus, not just historically, not just in Israel, but in human hearts today. God has to prepare the way for people to believe that Jesus is the Savior, to receive the message of forgiveness. Has God been preparing you for such a message? Has he? Have things been going on in your family and in your own life 
where sometimes you do a double take and say, is God trying to tell me something? What is God up to in you? Do you sense his coming to you? Do you hear the call of faith? Have you been prepared for something he intends to do in you? God's busy preparing people with messengers like John and messages of repentance so that when the Holy Spirit whispers to your heart you say like Mary speak Lord your servant is listening bow with me please maybe maybe for somebody in the room this this notion of getting prepared it really strikes you because that's exactly what's going on in your life you're being prepared for the message of the savior i want you to know this morning that god loves you and he he demonstrated this by sending his son jesus to be born in a manger and die on a cross and raise the third day for you and he's come all the way to your heart to call you to himself. Maybe there's a father in this room who knows he needs to refocus. The Holy Spirit has tapped you on the shoulder and it's obvious that this message was intended to wake you up to the dearest, most important assignment you have in your life the little ones God has given you, the children that are yours to love and care for. And God is turning your heart even now to them. Maybe for you to make a conscious commitment to God this Christmas that your heart will be turned to your children. Maybe that's what God intends for your worship today Lord thank you that you are at work in our day and time and in our lives send your Holy Spirit help us be listening give us courage to respond Lord take away the fear that keeps putting you off and help us embrace you and the love you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.